0: Hello, and welcome back to Between Here and There. For those of you following us, you may have noticed that we took a brief hiatus over Chinese New Year. And now that is March, we are so happy to be back for season two. Going forward, our show is going to be more thematically based, talking about issues that students and parents in both the English and Chinese speaking worlds will find of interest. And of course, we will still be bringing you personal narratives from outstanding students. Our guest today is Kate Xu. She's a sophomore at USC. In her episode, she shares her love of volunteer work and how service has impacted her her life as well. She brings a very unique point of view to her experience, and it was certainly very moving for us to hear her talk about it. Our show today is sponsored by Rocket Admit, Huo Jian Jiao Yu. Rocket Admit is started by three Ivy League alums with a mission to help Taiwanese high school students get into the top 30 American universities. You can find them at www.rocketadmit.com. And now, please enjoy our talk with Kate. Well, Kate, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you.
0: So I hear that uh, you're actually a little bit sleep deprived today.
1: Yeah, cuz I had my <laughs> midterms last night and I had to wake up early and it's just a lot going on. How early? Yeah. At um 10 thir- 10 in the morning. I had to wake up at 10.
0: Oh, you had to wake up at 10. Yeah. And when was your uh, when was your exam? Mid-term. So, mid-term. Yeah, my your midterm. Midterm was
1: like 2 to 3, but like in, in
0: the, the morning. afternoon. Yeah.
2: 2 to in three, 3 in the morning.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Wait, you woke up at 10 to study for a midterm 2 no, to no, 3 no. in the morning. Yeah, I
1: had my midterm from 2 to 3, then I did like other random stuff. And then I want to sleep at like five (laughs) and then wake up at 10. Like, it's kind of like a normal schedule now. Like I couldn't go to sleep earlier.
0: This new normal.
1: Yeah. It's
0: it's usually, it's uh, how many hours of sleep do you usually get now?
1: Like five to six and I have a nap and then, yeah. So it's all like bits and
2: pieces of sleep, right? I
0: think everyone is experimenting with polyphasic sleep these days. Yeah. You know, you sleep in little chunks. Yeah. Yeah. How did you think you did on your exam?
2: Bad. So
1: bad.
0: This is
2: the worst exam ever.
0: <laughs> oh, really? It's really hard though. Like, I, what was it?
2: It was calculus.
0: Oh yeah. How do you guys take a calculus exam <laughs> yeah.
2: um, like at two in the morning? Do you like all like do they hand you hand you a test and just write it on online or
1: so there's like this website called Grayscope and then they kind of just upload it there and you do it on like a paper or on your iPad and basically you scan it in. And then you just, like, like upload it.
0: Okay. So it's at 2 in the morning because your school is in California. Yeah. All right. So this is USC. Yeah. And I hear that you recently transferred into USC Mm -hmm. from England. Yeah. And I feel like this first section, uh, it could almost be titled... To all the schools that I have loved and loved.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Billy Nelson. <laughs> and,
0: and this is your ninth school. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the first question is, why so many?
1: Um, so um, I've transferred seven schools from elementary school to high school. Uh-huh. And it was like... There's, like, all sorts of reasons. So, like, in the beginning, it was just more family. My grandparents wanted me to go to a different school. My mom wanted me to go to a different school. Oh. And I kind of just moved around from, like, local schools to private schools, like, public schools, private uh-huh. schools, English schools, Chinese schools, Christian schools, Buddhist schools. Like, I've been to all <laughs> kinds of schools. Are you serious?
0: Even Christian schools the Buddhist schools? Yeah, I, I to just- a
1: Buddhist school in Nanto. That was, like, a vegetarian school. I had to, like... I don't know, like meditate every day. And then there's like the Buddhist chants. And I was a Christian then. So it was like a lot of like different identities <laughs> mixed together.
0: Yeah. Uh, why do I, I... I have this image of like a, a boat, you know, in the ocean.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I felt like for yeah. the longest time. Yeah.
0: Really? So it's, um, you know, who has the most influence in your life with where you go to school?
1: I think my mom, just because like... Um, so when I was in elementary school, obviously, it wasn't really my choice. But mm-hmm. I think as I grow older, like, we kind of have more discussions. And it's just kind of like, so I went to the Buddhist school because I was obviously a very rebellious kid. I was very, very stubborn, and, like, my grandma wanted me to go. But after that, um, I, I left the school because I was, like, severely allergic to soybeans and eggs. And that's oh. basically like what the, vegeta- like yeah,
0: that, the vegetarian <laughs> diet. Right.
1: So I had to leave because I was getting asthma every day. And then I actually sat down and have a conversation with my mom
0: yeah,
1: of like where I should go. And after that, I moved to like the international school system. Uh-huh. And that's like my choice, more my choice. Yeah.
0: And your parents, from what I hear, they're Christian.
1: Um, my mom's Christian and my, okay. like everyone else is Buddhist. Ah. So it's just my mom, yeah.
0: all right. And so within all of these different transitions, I mean, mm-hmm. allergic, not allergies. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, throughout all of these different uh, transfers and everything, um, how do you think you've dealt with all of the changes?
1: I think for like the longest time, like, for, like even till like 18-year-old mm-hmm. me, I hated it, like, I, I would blame my mom all the time. I would like have fights with her mm. over like how I'm the white, like the, the the lab rat of the family. So mm. I was like the experiment where like, you want to test out like the different schools, the different systems. Yeah. You know,
0: makes me think of like the Qian, right? There's that, that the famous the, story no, it's of Manxious's mother. A bit
2: different because a child Right, exactly. Exactly, it's
0: more kind of like, it's, it's not like we're moving house, but yeah. you're moving school.
2: Yeah.
1: But now, like when I think back, like, I appreciate it the experience so much. Like, How so? I just feel like it has made me a lot more adaptable and I can bond with people from like all kinds of different backgrounds. Yes. And so for example, like I would be working at Starbucks and I just, I can talk to people from like local schools. So, like we can just connect in mm. like all kinds of different
0: mm-hmm it would be like, topic, what, what school do you go to? They'll, they'll say, hey, chances are that she's been to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: exactly. Pick your choice. <laughs> I probably, the chances are I've been to that school.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it makes transferring a lot less scary. So like now, like me going to university first year, I didn't really, I didn't cry or I didn't mm. really miss home because I knew that I was going to a new environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was fine with it. Like mm-hmm. I would just push myself out there. Mm. And like, so when I was transferring to USC and I was talking to all kinds of different people And then my friends would tell me, like, if I was you and I've already made such a good group of friends here Mm -hmm. and have settled down, like, Mm -hmm. I would not move. Mm -hmm. But then to me, it was just like, oh, I want to move. I want a different experience. I want to learn more things because the education in the UK is more focused on one subject. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to explore my options. So I didn't really, I didn't even second doubt it. I went to LA with Auntie Charlotte and my parents in Christmas and like this, the second i went back to england i was like starting my application i was like i'm about to go to la next year yeah oh. no yeah. we have
2: to kind of backtrack because like after your international school you actually uh, went to england to study right yeah. so you first and then and then now that your first year again mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be a you're a freshman right now at, No, i'm a at, sophomore oh uh, yeah. a sophomore at uh usc yeah. right yeah so it's like after our trip to la uh, you know, who doesn't like L.A., right? Yeah, yeah it was the weather, too, because England is a little more rainy. Just a little,
0: yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit, yeah. But they don't have the big fires.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, we have the other, yeah.
0: Oh, boy. But it's usually, it's um, people who, the, the kids that I know that mm-hmm. that transfer around a lot are usually children of diplomats, mm-hmm. right? Or they have basically no choice, but they follow the family around. Mm-hmm. Um and I could see that you benefited from this. You've learned to enjoy this process. And, mm-hmm. and in the process, you learn how you've become more adaptable. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious when you said that, you know, before, when you're before you're 18, you really hated it. Right. But your parents still or your mom still insisted on it. What do you think was going through her mind every time that she was putting you into a different school?
1: I think there was a good reason before every transfer Mm -hmm. like now that thinking back like there was a solid reason it wasn't just that she wanted me to move around Mm -hmm. but obviously it was very difficult for her and for me just because we've had a really tense relationship Mm -hmm. because of the transferings Mm -hmm. but I think she learned a lot I learned a lot and I think it's just a good ending like I mean, it hasn't ended yet, but, like, <laughs> I hope gold. I wouldn't transfer again.
0: Or <laughs> the latest <laughs> transfer you initiated. It. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But how yeah. do you think she has changed and learned from this? Um,
1: I think she kind of moved through the process with me for from me having to make new friends all the time yeah. to adapt to a new environment it has put a lot of like mental stress on me and her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think she grew a lot as a parent mm-hmm. and now like dealing with my younger siblings, my younger brother and my younger sister, she's obviously I wouldn't say a better mom, but like a more experienced mom. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really I don't really know her point of view. Yeah. Yeah, but she, I think it's a lot of like
2: communicating and but, right. the, but the first child is always very tricky because yeah. like babies don't come with instructions yeah exactly. and then we we have like no idea what we're doing and with the education you kind of um you're kind of trying to figure it out yourself as mm-hmm. a as a parent right but you know the intention's good you yeah. know we, we always want our child to uh, go to an environment that's most suitable for them mm-hmm. as a firstborn child all three of us are mm-hmm. you know We got to, you know, love our parents because they're going with us. They're like more of our friends than, you know, they're figuring out themselves as well.
0: Right, right. And one thing we definitely have to say is for every parent that makes a big decision uh, to put their kid into a program or to transfer them into a new school, the stress is also on them. Yeah. I mean, they really have to, you Mm -hmm. know, make it work as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Right. So we just have to trust that they actually have the best intentions. They want us to be better. In this?
1: Now that I'm 20, I can, I guess, like appreciate it and like relate to her a lot more.
0: Was there something that happened, like a talk you guys had where that was able to be resolved?
1: I don't think it's a talk. I think it's just a process of like me meeting new people, me, and every time it gets easier and easier. Like it never gets easy. Like it's always hard and it's always very daunting. Mm. But I think it gets easier and you just learn to have fun. And then, like, slowly as you mature, like you just, appreciate it a little more every day,
0: I guess. I'm yeah. very curious about your adaptability <laughs> because you've had more experience than most, right? So for all of our listeners who might actually be in transition, transferring into or out of a school, mm-hmm. do you have any advice for them?
1: Mm, I think it's just to be open-minded. I think it's, you have to be able to jump out of the box that you think, like, you have to be able to jump out of your comfort zone, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then you just have to be, know that, like, a lot of people are going through the same thing. And even though, okay, say if you're the only one transferring, it's it's going to get better. Like, you know that it's going to get better. And, like, every day gets better as you go in. Like, it's going to be hard in the beginning. So you're not going to know anyone. And you're going to have to, like, put on a face. Mm. Do, do you
2: walk into, like, the cafeteria, like, you know with all the food and go, I have nobody to sit with, that kind of stuff.
0: That sounds like high school. Yeah, it's very <laughs> high school. Yeah. Know, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what happens in college? What, what's the first three things you do when you move into a new school?
1: In college?
0: Yeah, in college. So mm. when I
1: was in college, the first night we had like a big social mixing in our like dorm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in England, um, so where I went to school, which is in Bristol, there's a lot less Asians. Mm. So like I was just in a room with like, British people, like British, British people with like <laughs> British, British, British accent. Like I I went to TES, which is the British school, but I've never actually spoken to more than like three British. That isn't my teacher.
0: Oh. So like. Yeah. There aren't too many Brits in yeah. Taiwan. Right?
1: So like, obviously I don't really know their culture. So there, there's a lot of like class and a lot of their phrases that they use. Like oh. I'm very not familiar with it. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: they, it was. Name one. What 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 is it? I can't something? think on top of my head. <laughs> Did they say airplane or aeroplane?
0: Well, supposedly in in England, you you can just you can tell a person's class just yeah, by exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. I didn't
1: know that before. And yeah. then there were so many activities that they do that's like based on their class. And I think that shook oh, me. Yeah. Like like what? Like for example, so it was really funny. So I was walking down the street one day with my friend. Hmm. And then the 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 so our, our, our um, school is kind of in a college town. Okay. And so, like, half the boys are gone. So, like, the streets are empty. Mm. And then I was, like, asking my friend about it. Like, we were talking about, like, why... It, it was a weekend, and usually people are out there, like, shopping and walking around. And then he was just like, oh, they all went to this, like, horse riding... Like, I don't even know what they it's called.
0: It's like <laughs> oh this horse God. riding like game. E- equestrian?
2: Yeah. Polo? They, exactly. Oh, it it's polo? Not, it's not polo, polo. polo. It's not it's polo. It's like equestrian. It's, it's, it's a horse riding ride. game. It was like... <laughs> All the middle
1: class boy goes to that. Like that's exactly how you face it. It's was like all the middle class boy uh-huh. would go to that. Uh-huh. And there's like different middle classes. Like the I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's like the suburb sh- sh- boy. Suburb boy. Suburb boy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it was just it was a really really interesting experience just to like kind of be an international st- student. That's very because my dorm yeah. is very white okay. predominantly. Uh-huh. So I had a lot of opportunity to mix in with them Uh and so like it was so interesting just to see it from like like from an outsider perspective but like you kind of emerge into like the brits Uh and yeah but a lot of my friends that are international they live in like a more international dorm then they just hang out with like their their own people
0: Mm. yeah so
1: i really appreciate that experience like a lot
0: yeah Well, that sounds like you really have a strength, or you've taken it as a strength to face changes and actually to appreciate it. Yeah. Someone else in your position who doesn't have the same experience might actually be like, oh my God, like, how do I fit in? Yeah. There are so many different classes. They seem so opaque, right? And these people are going horse riding, and like, I don't even know how to ride horses.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's just you have to push yourself out there. Like, you have Mm -hmm. to tell yourself that it's okay. Mm -hmm. That like... Especially in college, like my mindset going to college is that even if that person doesn't like me, I can turn around and find something, someone completely new um, and that's why I didn't have in high school. But like okay. going to college, I knew that, like I had that in my head the entire time. Mm. So that made me, like that allowed me to kind of like step out and like just say hi and just be like, oh, what's your name? Or like people come talk to me too because I was just like, I'm just a very like energetic person. Were you always <laughs> this way? I think, yeah, I think the transferrings make me this way just because, ah. like, in the beginning, I f- like, sometimes I feel like I had to put it on the face. But now, right. like, it's just natural. Like, mm. I just, like, I'm really good with people. I smile a lot. And, yeah, so, like,
2: it's easier for me, I guess. Yeah. 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 Those are good qualities for, like, Kate was working in service and stuff like that, you know, right. and then also in charity. I mean, these are all really good uh, characters to have in, in, in the things you want to do. just Yeah. By yeah.
0: So that's the second thing that I really want to talk about because I hear that you're really into charity work, social service, and um, it you know, makes me think of a couple of quotes. There is this one, it says, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. And who said that? That would be uh, Muhammad Ali, Whoa. actually. Yeah. <laughs> one thing, right? Yeah. And the other quote is, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And that would be Gandhi's quote, right? So these are two different takes on service to others. I mean, one is kind of like you earn your keep. I and mean, this is what mm. you do, right, by being here. And then the other one is this is a process of finding yourself. Yeah. So which one is it for you, Kate?
1: I think for me, it's definitely the second one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think to me, volunteering isn't a thing that I feel like I should do like or I have to do. Yeah. Like, it might be that way in the very beginning. But, like, I think as I become more experienced and more involved. Mm-hmm. It has become a part of me that's like, I, I would describe it to people as in like, you like basketball or you're good at calculus or programming, but and this is what I'm good at, mm. which is-
0: You're good at service. I don't like,
1: I don't, I don't know if it's service. Helping like, others.
0: Oh, okay. So which word would you use?
3: Hmm.
1: I would just say, like, I like to get to know these people and I like to share what I have with them and they share what they have with me. Uh And I think, I think it's like when I go to Taidong or when I go to Cambodia, I think what I tell my, I really don't like the word. It's not a bad, it's just, I don't think the word volunteering or charity really fits me Uh just because I feel like, for example, me in Taidong now, Mm -hmm. I live in a school and I teach Children English. 工艺, it's a. Yeah, yeah. It's a. 中一, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So there are um, mm-hmm. a lot of Aboriginal children, mm-hmm. and I teach them English, but I feel like they all call me Jiji, And then they're mm-hmm. like, I would be. By, I, had a, I have a little bike there, and I would bike around the school, and they would be like, oh, hi, J And it's like, I just love these moments where it's like, it's not a hierarchy. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like a am giving to you, but it's like yeah. I'm making friends with you. I'm making right. lifelong connections with you. Yeah. And it's actually really funny because, like, so a few months ago, I went to Taidong with Eli, which is um, another organization that I used to right. work with. And it was a tribe. It was a Lu Kaizu tribe called Da mm-hmm. And so it was a three-day trip. And I just, like, I was able to meet. So um, I kind of brought some... Middle schooler kids down there to do service, and uh, service, and to like it's more like learning about different cultures and environments and people, and so they they brought in two other middle um, high schoolers, so like they call it Qingnian, mm-hmm. so they brought in two renzu Ming Qingnian to our group just for them to like communicate and get to know each other, but then obviously because the two cultures are so different, they didn't really they weren't really able to mix together. Like mm-hmm. it uh, became I became like best friends with them, uh, so like. I would talk to them like about so many things and they added me on Facebook and they would always tell me about mm-hmm. their lives. They'd tell me about how things are and they'll come to Taipei, they'll come find me. And when I'm down in Taidong, I would drive them around and it's and I also met a lot of like Renzuming Dago. And they were just like they they have Xiaomi Zhou, right? They would always mm. call me <laughs> because It was really funny. So we were in deep in the mountains. So there's yeah. like this really old tribe that was like a cultural experience for the people that I brought to Taidong. Okay. And when they were all they, they were all asleep, it was like midnight and I was just sitting out there under the stars mm. with the Renzo Ming Daga. And we were just drinking Xiaoming <laughs> and like it was just learning about their experience. It was just so interesting. And that's what how I see service. Service. Yeah.
0: It really seems like you get a genuine joy. You really get a kick out of being able to truly connect with people. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas a lot of other people would have would see a wall there or, or all of these people are not my people. You see people, everyone as your people. Yeah. Is that a continuation of your Transfer. many, many transfers?
1: <laughs> I think it's definitely that, but it's also that I think it's like, so, the Myers personality trait thing, uh-huh. like I am, ah, okay, extrovert e- ENFP. So it's like I'm just really <laughs>
0: like, ENFP. I all like right. to so get to uh, know people. Okay,
1: I don't know what that is. I'm just, uh, oh, you
0: yeah, you see, know what it I only know the first than. one. E- I know this e- extrovert.
1: <laughs> so yeah, like I just like to get to know people, and I think I wouldn't say people from Thailand or people from Cambodia. Mm-hmm. I just I think it's easier to talk to them because, for I think a part of it is because. For them, it might be the first time that someone from the outside comes mm. in and be their friend and isn't, like, looking at them in another way. So I think that's also a reason why they want to be friends with me.
0: In another way.
1: Yeah. But I think what how I see it is, like, when you get to know each other enough, mm-hmm. it's just a lot of, like, you learn a lot from each other. You learn their past, their history, because a lot of the Aboriginal children mm-hmm. are from very broken families. Mm-hmm. And it's just... They need it, they need someone that they can talk to, or they need someone that can make them feel like they're wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think God, I'm am a Christian. Like mm-hmm. God has given me a gift for me to be able to be there for them. Mm-hmm. And them for me is just like a childy. Mm-hmm. So like I like I like kids. I like to take care of people, and I like to. I think everyone likes to feel needed, mm-hmm. and I think it, it it sounds really wrong to say it. Is this enough? Okay, um, I just feel like <laughs> I like I like to be there for them. I like it makes me feel good about myself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like a
2: mutual exchange of. So do you feel like th- during this time that um, you know it's kind of everything's kind of up in the air? Mm-hmm. Do you think doing these charity events uh, help you in any in any ways? Do you think? I think for me, um,
1: so during this period of time that I was in Taiwan. I've done a lot of different works. Yes. I've worked with my parents. I've worked at different restaurants. I like, it was just cause I have this huge chunk of time and this entire time I was just trying to look for what I want to do for this chunk of time that I don't even know how long it would be. And so I think working at Taidong has been for a long period of time. So I've always wanted to do something for long-term and where I live with them and just like experience life with them. And that was like, kind of like a dream of mine, right? So I kind of wanted to use this time to explore if whether or not this is what I want to do for life Mm -hmm. and whether or not, like, it's just something that I know I want to do before I go into work or like I start, like, I don't even know what it's called. It's like formal life. Where it's like the unplanned the life. The real life. Is the that, real life. Adult life. Yeah. Adult life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you see it? As in there's like this line or it, or you will cross that and you go into the sort of formal life.
1: I think and it's that, definitely like that. Like yeah. to me, it's like where you have to truly take responsibility of yourself.
0: Mm. I don't think I have. Well, how are you not taking responsibility for yourself now? I am. Like you but are. Like, yeah.
1: It's, I think it's really funny because I was just thinking this. Uh-huh. Um. Basically, the first 22 years of your life, this has been planned. But the second you graduate, it's kind of like stepping into Mm. a piece of white paper where it's like you actually have to carve out and you Mm. have to make decisions for every step that you take. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's like career, marriage, friendships. Mm -hmm. It's just you're actually out there. And that's how I see it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) It it sounds like... um, a lot of the transitions that you've gone through, you've taken away from this some kind of an ability, mm-hmm. the ability to connect with other people, mm-hmm. the ability to actually go into a situation and actually see people for who they are rather than the labels. Mm-hmm. And that is a preparation yeah. for crossing that line one day. Mm-hmm. right? And you've, um, you've actually found your entry into this is by actually through this service Mm -hmm. or going into places like, uh, like you said, Taidong or like Cambodia. And I mean, when you see people that are uh, perhaps less fortunate, quote unquote, I mean, you know, from my material standards point of view, do you want to, like, how do you think you can make their life better?
1: I think one thing that I learned from all my volunteer experience is we can't.
3: It's,
1: Mm. I no, even if I devote my entire life to this, it's impossible. It's like, we're not here to change their life. Like, I don't think I'm going to Taidong to change their life. I think for me, it's a lot of the time it's, I want to be there as one, as someone that they can talk to. So even at Jung now, a lot of the kids will tell me about like, their weekends or their hometown in Lan or in Chenggong and in Taidong. And it's just like, I, I want to be a window where they can talk to you, but at, at the same time, I also want to be a role model. Like, mm-hmm. not, not a role model, but an example of, they would they would ask me, they would be like, oh, your English is so good. Like, I want to be like, you. I want to go mm-hmm. out there. I want to go, I want mm-hmm. to see all these people. And- what do
0: you say to a kid who says that to you?
1: then you have to learn English for me. Like, you have to, like, because I do, like, English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we, we, we have, it's usually during class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, little kids, they get distracted really easily. And it's just kind of a reason to pull them back together yeah. and pull them into the conversation. And, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I heard that earlier today, you were actually giving an English lesson online. Yeah. And um, so that's, I mean, you know, on five hours of sleep after having had a calculus midterm. <laughs>
2: two hours of sleep, right? Two, or, two no hours. No, no, five hours. Five, five hours. Time. Oh, five so you got five <laughs> hours. That's five hours. good. Yeah. Two, two a.m. Yeah, two uh, a.m. Yeah, okay, yeah, five
0: hours, but still two hours where you have to be really focused and mm-hmm. was this to the Taidong kids? Or yeah. It, so uh-huh. it's another
2: project with
1: Gonging Ping Tai that's oh. called Ruedu um, Taidong. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so TAS is, Reading Taidong. Yeah, mm. It's, um, there's this, um, I don't, there's this website or this software called Reading A to Z that I think a lot of schools use now uh-huh. and they kind of use this program because it's more long lasting mm-hmm. it's not just like a temporary shock to the kids that are like oh English is fun mm-hmm. but it's like a long lasting thing where like the kids can go on this platform to read English books mm-hmm. and we're called the reading coach so we go on like every few weeks or every month mm-hmm. to kind of I meet with um I, I met with probably like ten kids today, mm. each for just ten minutes to catch up with them, mm. to read through a book with them. It's a very, very, very basic book. It's like mm. blue, the uh, the bike <laughs> is blue. Mm. It's they it, it's just when you meet with these kids, you realize that their English ability is actually there's a really big gap. Yeah. and you just they just need the time. they want. The, they want your time. They want mm. to get to know you. They want like they, ha- they They're
2: so happy to see you, and it's just like that so makes you so want go. So they know you. They recognize you on on this uh, platform.
1: I don't know if they recognize me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because they're second graders, so oh, it okay. might be okay. yeah. But okay. they they sh- they their reaction is like they recognize. They're so happy. You're there. They're they just mm. maybe it's just someone from the outside. That's mm-hmm. not their teacher,
3: mm-hmm. but
1: to them it's like oh like someone else is. Hear for me, someone else wants to teach me English and, and reading books like this is fun. It's not just like learning about grammars that like right. a lot of the Taiwanese education is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: everyone deserves to be heard. Yeah, Everyone exactly. deserves to be uh, understood and be yeah. accompanied, right? Yeah. And to have an, a, a good education. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that really seems to be the energy that's driving a lot of your service. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about service Yes,
3: yeah, because
0: you're all right, your parents are in the restaurant industry, yeah, which is a very service-heavy industry. Yeah. Um, and many children of parents like that are like, no, I don't want to go into that. <laughs> but I hear that you actually seek that out.
1: I think it's, I wanted to learn more about what my parents do. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And I also, I think as a kid, I was a really rebellious kid. I wanted to prove to my parents that... I can do it, you know, like, I'm not what you think I am.
0: It so. is your second time you've said that you're a rebellious <laughs> kid. I I mean, am. how rebellious were you? <laughs>
1: I was a very, very stubborn child.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Rebellious is just stubborn, just...
1: I think rebellious and stubborn. Like, yeah, like that. exactly. Like, yes. if uh. they told me to do one thing, I would do the opposite. Whoa. I was just that kid. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I went into... Um, so the second I was able to like work legally, I w- I applied to Starbucks and I had like the best time there. I my, my like
0: so after, it wasn't your parents' restaurant group at at all. So it, I it was, I went to
1: my parents' restaurant to like intern, as in like okay. it was like a uh, a winter thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was, and they are like I think I don't know for sure, but most of them the the managers would know who I am, so it's uh-huh. different. But like right. I just wanted to put myself out there into like a position where no one knows. My parents' background or, like, mm. me. And just, to, like, to be able to get to know me personally. Right. And I just enjoy working, like, for myself. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, learning about all the Starbucks recipes, be able to, like, learn how to froth the milk. It's actually so hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the Starbucks froth, like, the standard is so high. Yeah. Like, yeah, it has to be, like, froth and... A certain way. It can oh. be chunky, oh, can't, like.
0: So it's not it's just a machine-assisted foam making. No, it's a, it's a, it's a barista a... thing. Like oh, you can
2: actually a... be like a certified barista. No, so are you, are you? Are I'm you not. in charge of making coffee at home right now? No. no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hear that you also worked in a soyal in Yeah. Right? Yeah, one of those uh, bubble tea p- yeah. type of places. Yeah. Uh, how was that?
2: It was a lot more tiring than I thought. <laughs> it was a, a long more time than I thought. Do you know how many, yeah. like, about how many um, these cups you have to make, like, per day? About, yeah, did like you a, keep count? 200, 300? Because um, I worked at Mango Cha
1: Fang, which in the summer, they have this, like, specialty drink called Yang Zi and, like, Ziz Mango Goldie. Mm-hmm. And both of these are, like, so popular. Mm, and they're both mango... Is,
0: uh, like, describe it. What's in it?
1: It's, it's kind of like a mango. mango shake. Yeah. Okay. So the entire day, I would just be standing in front of the... The 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 blender and just be blending mango shake. I am blending like five hundred mango shakes a day. Ooh. And I would go home and just smell like mango. Like <laughs> and it was not a pleasant mango smell. And stock. I think colors
0: your skin too. Yeah, you know, the juice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And you
1: have to when you're not in charge f- blending the mango, you're cutting the mangoes, you're like peeling the mangoes, and it's just crazy. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Do you still like eating mangoes now? Now I do, but
1: like in the summer (laughs) I didn't.
2: Like I don't want to be touching this food for a very long time.
0: You're like dreaming of mangoes. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. My shoes smell like mango. My entire body just mango, (laughs) mango, mango. mango. Yeah.
0: So you said that it was harder than you thought, and what did you take away from this?
1: I think it's just, especially in the service industry, you have to actually experience it to appreciate what. Other people do for you. Mm. So, like, when you work in a restaurant, so I also worked at a, at, as a waitress and my and a chef, and like, in my parents' restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it was like you actually realized how difficult and how tiring it is yeah. as a waitress, mm. even though it seems like an easy job. It's not like standing up for eight hours right. and just having to constantly smile and just talk to customers nicely when they're mm. having like the most ridiculous requests <laughs> And it's just it's just a learning process, and you just and. I think I fit into the service industry just because I'm a happy person. Like I, am a smile, I, I'm a smiley person. So like I.
0: Oh, that's a yeah. difference.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a difference between just a smiling person and a really happy person. Okay,
1: I think I'm both in <laughs> different circumstances. But,
0: yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
2: But are what you like I- that to your parents, like smiley and nice, or you think? I'm a rebellious child. <laughs> Still a rebellious child. I think
1: I'll, I'm a lot better, but I think be, it's also because I'm, I transfer a lot. So I have a lot of opinions mm. or like experiences that I think stands for my identity yeah. that might conflict with, not their expectations. My parents are very free. Yeah, they are. But yeah, like the, sometimes it, colla- like it clashes and mm-hmm. so it's just a lot of communicating, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. What keeps you happy? Food, (laughs) food, Um, I, I. Well, that's an easy one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm very, I'm a very. Your parents' restaurants cover almost every kind of food.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Katie's not happy. Let's feed her. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And just like people, like I'm a very people driven person. Mm. So in a good way and a bad way, it's like,
0: how, how so in a bad way?
1: I think I'm in a process, especially now I'm in a process to learn know that it's okay to be on your own or like to be, it, it sounds very deep in a really weird way but like
0: hey we're uh, a deep podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: we can go deep yeah, yeah. Get <laughs> us with it
1: so it's just i like i think i'm so used to surrounding myself with people that like sometimes i think especially as an adult you need to be able to be okay on your own and not base your happiness so much on other people mm. yeah and i think
0: yeah it seems like You've known that for all your life.
1: Yeah. But I think...
0: That's what makes you a rebellious person. Because it's not like what someone tells you to do. It's what you really believe.
1: Yeah. So I'm... Yeah. I, and, I and do how, things...
0: Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and how you really believe is by going into the experience. By actually meeting the people. By actually living with them. Sharing with them. Or even you know, going and serve servicing and cutting up mangoes and it's, that's, the, <laughs> yeah. that's the way that you learn by yeah, actually exactly. living it. yeah
1: i think yeah
0: do you think that there is any substitute for for that like book learning is that how how is that going to complement the way that you've carried your life so far through the experiences
1: um i think books to me are a form of, okay, this sounds really weird, but, like, I kind of, like, a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. It's a form of calming myself down. Because I'm a very, like, not calm person. I'm very, like, there's, like, there's things that's going through my mind constantly. I need to constantly be doing something, to be moving, to be working, or, like, to be having fun. Mm-hmm. And I think book for me, especially Chinese book, Chinese books, like, I'm not the best. I, I, I'm fluent in Chinese, mm-hmm. but Chinese I wouldn't consider it as my first academic language. Mm-hmm. So I think because it's not so it's so not academic for me, mm-hmm. when I read it, it's very calming. So ah. like I read before I go to bed and I read when I need to calm down. So yeah. you read and, Chinese yeah.
2: for, for fun and for work or school, you work in you I read still in read English. in English, but it's just when I'm out, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: now, so English recently. is more kind of like the, the language of studies. Yeah. And Chinese has a different emotional value for
1: you.
3: Yeah.
0: So although we're doing this conversation in English, but yeah. uh, a lot of the books and the writers that you like, they're actually, in, in, they work in Chinese, mm-hmm. such as Zhang mm-hmm. Right, And um, uh, there's something that, that you had shared before, a quote from Zhang Manjun talking about 德语施施一体两面, mm-hmm. how what you gain and what you lose. Um, so this is Zaman Jin talking about or something that she's realized, right, as she got older,
3: mm-hmm. is that
0: <clears throat> there's, not, there's never a real like 100% happy mm-hmm. or 100% sad. Yeah. that Everything is kind of half and half. And maybe just coming to peace with that half and half yeah. is the process of growing up or maybe that is peace or happiness. Yeah. And you like that quote particularly, yeah. Can you tell us why?
1: Yeah. So the book is actually called the oh. whole book, the entire book is called Yi Wu and Gay Dui Wu Zi. So it's kinda of like um Zhang Mandren's letter to herself ah, of like her whole experience, okay. her like, Yeah. Is, okay. In and in a, my name. Yeah. Right. A lot of it is about her taking care of her parents mm-hmm. who but both of her parents had I don't know what it is. Alzheimer's. yeah, Uh, Dementia or Alzheimer's, yeah. And I think a lot of it, it's her realizing, like her figuring out her identity as a writer, as a caregiver. And I think towards the end, like a lot of them can't relate fully. I think that quote, just because... It's a more mature book, actually, I think. I read the book, yeah. Mm. I think that quote really struck me because especially our generation i think there's there's so much comparison there's so much what you have and what i don't have mm. it's not even just like the material stuff it's the yeah. physical stuff the mental stuff the social stuff and i think it's always really important to for me to ground myself in this thought that it's okay mm. and i have cool. what i need and like linking it to Christi- christianity like i believe that god would give me whatever i need mm. and but it's just believing it and having it on your mind is different. So, like, I think a lot of the reading is just continuously enforcing it in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if i it's completely on me now because I always doubt. I have my downs.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's
2: just, like, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so
0: it gives you... That quote gives you a, a sense of peace. Yeah. About it.
2: Do, how yeah. do you relate that to what's happening right now in this world with the pandemics? Mm-hmm. Is that hard? <laughs> I think of... it's hard
1: because... I feel like in Taiwan, I don't actually experience. Like, obviously, fortunately, it's Mm it's it's a it's it's a privilege to be in Taiwan and not having to go through like be quarantined for so long, lockdown. Yeah, but I think the fact that like I used to. I I had a really big fight with my parents for not letting me go back to California just because I've never been to a school that I'm studying at.
0: Right now. Oh, no.
2: She's never been to USC. Oh. And she's a, she's <laughs> I'm never and you're already the taking
0: calculus midterms <laughs> and you haven't even seen the campus. Exactly.
2: <laughs> but yeah, but I think wasn't that a good decision though? So now from hindsight, I think even just taking COVID out of the equation, yeah.
1: just being in Taiwan for this amount of time after graduating high school and being more like going out there and coming back like I have like a completely different mindset Mm -hmm. I appreciate Taiwan so much more now I used to be like I feel like every international school student kind kind of Mm. is slightly whitewashed (laughs) and we kind of like the idea of a more western lifestyle Uh but I think having to go out there and then come back now like I just want to eat asian food every day i just yeah. want to read my chinese books and do my things and
0: go up in the mountains and exactly. hang out with tribal leaders and like embrace yeah hey why not right yeah yeah because you're an experiential person yeah. you learn through experiences
1: and actually it's this is like just relating to like the book that i read before yeah. so my godfather you, Uncle James, he's actually, like, the most, he's so funny. He he talks a lot. He really likes to read, and he's so knowledgeable about, like, so many things. Mm-hmm. So when I first got back to Taiwan and, like, started reading in Chinese, I asked him, like, what book would, like, do you recommend me read? And he basically gave me, he, he, he gave me this book that was, like, a huge book called Oh yeah. 龙英台, yeah. 龙英台, yeah. And he was like, he was like, I don't know if you can actually read it because you don't like I know that your your Chinese might not be that level, but you just try. Like and I read it and I like it has boosted my confidence and my identity and my ethnicity so much. Mm. Like more than anything else in my life. Wow. And I think having to read that and come back to Taiwan and meet all these Aboriginal Daka, and like it's just all kinds of experience together. Like, me now at this place, like sitting here, I mm-hmm. just like I can't be more grateful for what I've had in the past six months. Like, yeah. actually, like, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: the the author Long Ying Tai because she she uh, she worked for a while in the government mm-hmm. and so now her name is often associated with maybe politics mm-hmm. but ultimately she is a writer yeah. she's
2: a very good writer yeah.
0: and um, yeah a great writer and that book really um, I also read it mm-hmm. is a book about searching for one's roots mm-hmm. right and um, and I think there's a in what you are sharing right now it really seems like you're finding your roots not just in your ethnicity, but in everywhere yeah. that you've been to. And but I
1: think my ethnicity hasn't been, like now it's been a really, now it's growing to become a really big part of me and I'm embracing it more mm-hmm. than I've ever. And I think I'm happy that that's, I don't know. Like, yeah.
0: So in this uh, time of COVID, We have Kate that is through her sharing and connections with others is actually finding more about herself Mm -hmm. and finding your place in the world. That sounds awesome.
1: Thank you, Kate. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you.